Welcome, welcome to LFC Talk at Hotel Tia. My name is Ragnil Lund Ansnes, and today I brought with me a lovely neighbor. You will hear more about him in a minute. He has a mission, and that is to make one of the most, well, actually, the most famous street in Liverpool great again. And with us, as always, we have uh, the great David Fairclough as well. How are you today, David? Yeah, I'm very well. Uh, glad to be joining you again and uh, obviously to be meeting Peter for the first time. Uh, looking forward to having a chat. Peter, um, I need to make sure I, I pronounce your, your name right because your surname is Schubersman. Is that right? Yeah, close enough. No, it's not close enough. You need to give us the right version. No, no problem. It's <laughs> Schubersman. See, see that, that German's swing to it I can't do <laughs> but you can say my name for a change which is not many people in Liverpool who can so Peter good morning and thank you so much for joining the podcast thank you for having me I'm very excited we are literally attached to each other you are the co-owner of our dear neighbor uh, Hotel Anfield and um, we have a lot of fun on match days together um, and Peter you have now started this association with all the traders going together in Anfield Road to try to lift the streets. Tell me a little bit more about your vision. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one, has to, one has to remember when we actually bought the hotel, it was uh, February 2020, a month before we were shut down, all of us. So the timing wasn't particularly great. I had, uh, I had plans at the time to develop a bit more like com community positive sort of activities but then everything got shut down. So I had to, well, effectively shut down my uh, ambitions um, temporarily until we were let loose again. And um, now that is the case. Um, I had built in the meantime relationships with yourself, Ragnild, and um, various other traders on Anfield Road to say, look, you know, in, being German, once you come to Liverpool for the first time, you know two streets in Liverpool without ever setting foot into Liverpool. And one is Anfield Road and one is Penny Lane. And then you, you go to both of these streets for the first time and both are just a little bit underwhelming. Yeah? Your expectations are simply a little bit higher than what, what um, the street really kind of gives you in terms of an experience. And, um, and that is one of those things that I just, being now an adopted Scouser, I've been lived here since 2008, I just can't really accept that because there is thousands and thousands of people every year taking proud pictures of them on the world famous Anfield Road, telling their relatives and friends all over the world they finally like made it to this amazing street and um, such a proud moment. And uh, yet, what they take a picture of sometimes just isn't looked after as well as it should. And uh, as I started to speak to fellow traders like yourself and the local ward councillor and the council and um, representatives of other organizations, everybody seemed to be in agreement, we ought to just do a little bit more and that will lift the entire area. It's not just about us traders, it's actually about if everybody feels people invest energy and money into the street, it might lead to everybody taking a bit better care of it and, for example, look after their dogs when they did their business, to give you a very, very, uh, very practical example of the issues that we have. And yeah, that's kind of how it started. And the feedback of everybody involved so far has been so good. I thought, you know, let's just, uh, let's smash it. Let's do as much as we can. Before you tell me a little bit more about your plans, well, mm. our plans uh, to help uh, Anfield Road. David, can you recognize what he's saying in terms of Anfield Road has mm. got potential to be, be lifted a bit more? Yeah, it, it, pity in some ways that um, half of Anfield Road has been not so much decimated, but changed so much with the um, the development of, uh, of Anfield Stadium. So, you know, in the, in, the, in the old days, I mean, Anfield has been a, it was a desirable road with all these beautiful villas that lined one side of the, of the street, or the, uh, of the road, that all backed onto Stanley Park, you know. And, and that's where a, we are right now, by the way, yeah, guys. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So not enough of the villas have obviously been retained. But the ones that have exist, you know, that, that remain and exist, uh, it would it it would be great to, to restore them and and enjoy them in their you know, something like their former glories. Um, naturally, the, the the Anfield, you know, dominates Anfield Road now. 
you know, uh, it's been good that they, you know, they've integrated the park. The park has become more of a uh, an open facility. Uh, you know, you leave Anfield and automatically you go into the park. Stanford, Stanley Park has been a wonderful park down the years. You know, it's it's a place where I've got so so many memories. Um, so uh, yeah, I can only uh, agree that it, it it's you know so much of our city has been allowed to disintegrate to 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 be uh, ruined by various uh, ideas and um, uh, you know, people who've had the, the control of the city down the years have never really sort of uh, like Peter saying appreciated what some of these the great names of the city exist and what they mean to people uh, in, in in a wider area you know throughout the world Penny Lane I mean by coincidence, Penny Lane, Anfield Road, probably the two most sort of, um, they, they've been the biggest part of my growing up. Um, Penny Lane was the home of Liverpool Schoolboy Association. Uh, I played for Liverpool Schoolboys at under 11, under 14, under 15. Um, so to see Penny Lane now, and I only went down Penny Lane two days ago, uh, you know, the Chinese laundry there uh, is, is, is no longer, it's closed, you know, a couple of, little shops in there. Penny Lane has, has changed so much down the years. And unfortunately, you know, one side of it now has, has been redeveloped itself. So I, I can fully, uh, uh, you know, go along um, with everything that Peter's saying about um, we, we should cherish our heritage more. I mean, granted, Penny Lane was made famous by the Beatles. Uh, but, uh, we, we, you know, we, it is sad that we, we haven't cherished what we, what we have in, you know, better but it's, it, i can only sort of uh, welcome any improvements and uh, and, and the ideas uh, great ideas going forward and also you know right by that pitch where the schoolboys played penny lane trust has now been developed um and started to actually look after that ground so it's not been taken away you know it's such a historic ground and they try to do a little yeah. bit and sh could that be something for uh, Anfield road uh, as well to do like a trust make a trust to Try to look after the history, the legacy, and the roads. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. It's not something that I have looked into deeper yet, so I, I guess that would be on my to-do list from tomorrow. Thank you, Ragnar. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> More things to do. <laughs> but Peter, tell me a little bit about your vision. What do you want to do to make Anfield Road a better place? Well, I, I believe that when a street is in a certain condition, and the people that um, enjoy it, um, and they are mostly residents day to day, every other week, or in Liverpool's case, because we seem to be playing in every competition until the very end these days, which is right. fantastic, <laughs> uh, every week. Um, the, the people, when they come to a street and they feel that it's not been looked after very well, it attracts more problems. So if you've got a building with one broken window, very soon you'll find a second and a third broken window, right? And so um, the kind of um, things that we try to change collect collaboratively, not just amongst traders, but with the other stakeholders in the area, which is obviously the, li the living community here, um, really starts with things like cleanliness. Uh, then it starts with certain trip hazards on the pavements. Uh, there's, there's some really, uh, actually one of the most basic things is, is there like a way of us coming together on a regular basis to talk as people? Um, because I'm also aware um, that a, a place like, maybe I can't speak for Hotel Tia, I can't speak for Hotel Anfield, there are occasional unfortunate moments when, say, one of our patrons leaves the place and throws a bottle on the street or something like that. So there's some negative things as well that we as a local trader have got not have got a moral obligation at the very least to, to, to deal with. And I take that seriously. So some of what we are doing here is trying to tackle that as well. So, I mean, there's a list of 12 actual points, which I've memorized pretty much completely, which range from having a regular meeting with key people, including the councillor and the council, which is in place now. We will have that on a six-weekly basis to talk about focus areas. Um, and then um, improvements to the provision of bins. Because if you walk from uh, Water Lane over here, you will find that from near enough the Isla Gladstone to near enough the ground, there's not one single bin. So where do people put their rubbish when they walk down? 
you know, unfortunately, people do not put it in their pocket and carry it with them. Ultimately, they drop it over the fence or drop it on the floor a lot. And, that, and they are like the kind of basic problems. My point is that once people then start to realize this street is being looked after by various people, the old, everybody will take a slightly view towards it. It's called civic pride. You can't just switch it on. You need to like uh, chip away at it bit by bit. And as people then become a bit prouder of the environment and, and like take it a bit, you know, take a little bit more of an interest in doing their bit, um, then, um, then it's hopefully going to have like a sort of a circular upwards uh, effect. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my um, the, the background to it. And I also like the ideas about a light, lightning, yeah. benches, mm. flowers maybe. Yeah. I'd love some flowers too. Can we look into that? I love to garden. I'll come and plant. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go through the list of things that we have put forward. I guess a lot comes to do uh, comes down to funding, um, and the traders have all um, pledged that we are going to put a little bit of money in the pot ourselves as a gesture. Um, to put towards things that are going to happen, yet to be determined which of those aspects it's going to pay for. Um, but we also need to be more clever, hence like actually coming up with a traders association to have a little body that create that starts to have a positive, constructive voice with which we can then go to the authorities and go to people with pots or go to the club, which is really the next big step for us and say, um, look, guys, you know, we are here, you know, we love this area, you are a major stakeholder here. Let's have a little chat about the kind of plans we have and maybe you can contribute, you know, because soon you are going to make the stadium an, an even bigger monster than it already is. I'm not complaining, by the way, I'm just uh, pointing out the obvious, you're going to earn more money on the back of it and maybe you can um, let the improvement measures you will need to put into the public realm come over a little bit further into our direction. Everybody wins. So it's these sort of uh, conversations. But one point, Ragnar and David, that I would like to make is like um, it's important that we um, ultimately comes down to people and the way we interact with one another, with the different organizations or groups that we represent. And when we look at the council and the, say the people in power and what they have and haven't done in the past, um, the last 10, 12 years with austerity have uh, taken away a lot, a lot of the services that we used to have. Um, that's not something that I can just pin on to the council. Yeah, they now are the people that cannot do this and that anymore. But why? Because they haven't got the funding to do it anymore. I believe wholeheartedly that uh, Joanne Anderson doesn't sit there being very happy that the council needs to save another 30 million, shut down the last one-stop shop, shut down the last youth center. It's, it, it, the austerity has been disastrous for the city. And, and, and yeah, local authorities have got a role to play. But local authorities, in my personal opinion, over many years in Liverpool, are actually the authority quite willing to work with community groups to, to be guided a little bit. So we've got, we've, for example, this area, the street scene guy called John, he's been with the council for donkey's years. He looks after uh, county and Anfield, and he does Anfield on a Wednesday. I mean, Anfield on a Wednesday. I mean, just, just try and think about it. You know, it's not an area that you can just do on a Wednesday. But these are the kind of resource levels we're talking about. So the community needs to step up and do their thing. And we as traders are part of that community. There's the residents, there's the Alley Angels, there's the club, there's uh, various other people that need to do their bit. Because otherwise, um, yeah, we could say, oh, but I pay my business rates, I pay my council tax, you know, and uh, surf me. But we don't make progress like that, you know. We just don't. If we want positive change, we need to go out there and make it happen, you know. And that's what we are going to do. David, what do you think of uh, our German friend who is loving Anfield Road and, and the streets that you basically grew up in and his mm. thoughts about this? Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. And obviously, as I say, um, it's clear, you know, it, it's 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 close to my heart, Anfield Road, and uh, and Peter mentioned Penny Lane as well. Uh, it's a big city, and, and there's so many areas that have been unfortunately uh, allowed to, or by by circumstance have, have have taken a bit of a downward turn. So uh, all improvement is is only a good thing. But if, if the local um, uh, partners um, care about it, and and you know a couple of points that come out there, um, 
you know, the idea of a broken window soon leads to, 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 to take pride in your, in your community and people hopefully will, will build on that and, and, and treat the area with a little bit more respect at the moment. If you see things being done and improved, I'm sure you'd like to think people are going to react on that and it's all going to you know, produce a, more of a, an upward curve in terms of improvement and, uh, and enjoyment. Football isn't supposed to be very political. Um, it's supposed to be like a, a free free space in terms of, of uh, political views and religious views, etc. But today I want I want to talk about Ukraine because um, I was so moved on um, on Tuesday when I, I walked to Anfield along our dear Anfield Road from Tia past Hotel Anfield and and saw the new main stand lit up with the Ukraine flag. Um, and I think it's quite touching how the whole Western world now seems to embrace Ukraine. Um, and it's just heartbreaking. You know, I get, I get a lot of messages <clears throat> on, uh, on my uh, Instagram, my Little Hearts Instagram from Ukrainian fans saying, please help us, you know, let Liverpool Football Club know we need help. We need help now. And, and everything that comes out of the news now, it's just, it's just so heartbreaking. You can't even start to, to, to picture what it's like to be a mom in Ukraine right now, um, being a refugee, and and you hear about people now on the borders trying to help, and they just say you can't put into words the scenes right now, and it's just going to get worse as the days go by. So, Peter, you're not just engaged in in the Anfield Road, you also are helping Ukraine. Tell us what you're up to. Uh, yeah, my, my wife, um, Joanna, she is Polish and um, you will have read about it maybe locally or heard about it in the news, but the Polish people, and let's be honest, Poland has come a long way since membership in the EU financially and in terms of living standards, but it's still well behind some of the um, historically Western countries, say like my home country, Germany, or like, like the UK. They have taken on more than 1 million refugees from Ukraine alone. And I know this podcast isn't political, but the response of Priti Patel on behalf of the government for, for Great Britain is nothing short of shameful. I mean, I am so happy. <laughs> I'm an adopted Scouser, right? I just have to say that again. I love to live in this city. But if it wasn't for living in this city and the love I have for it and the way I, I love the people, I don't think I would still live here because some of the policy of the government in this country is making me feel sick to my stomach. To be honest, because the people of Poland cannot afford financially what they do, and yet what they do to just open their doors, no question asked, to help these people that are coming, that ten minutes ago had a home and had a life, and no doubt had some economic struggles, but not to a level where you've been shelled and a, a kid's a hospital, and I mean it's just on a different level, you know. It's, it's, it's hospital they bought, yeah. Now. Which um, which leads me briefly, sorry, to your question is my my wife is involved with um, the local with the regional uh, Polish community centers to um, they started this relief effort which went well above what they expected. They had about thirty uh, truckloads full of goods now and lots of money raised. And along the way, she mentioned to me um, that uh, Ukraine needs more ambulances. And then um, you know these days we are also connected. Um, I called my cousin in Germany who happens to be dealing with fire engines and he knows somebody who deals with ambulances and they've got 11 used Mercedes and VW ambulances ready in, in, in the Netherlands to drive, to, to take them if we can raise the money. The more money we raise, effectively, the more ambulances we buy. And then either late next week or week after next, we are going to drive them, including myself, um, from the coastline of the Netherlands to Krakow and hand them over to the authorities in Poland who will then deal with the, with the Ukrainian authorities and hand them over. So it's tangible stuff, you see. Um, a lot, I, I, it's not like I don't believe in, in the same for Anfield Road. It's not like I don't believe in strategic frameworks and all of these sort of things. That's all needs is needed. But what's needed sometimes are plans and actions that lead to tangible change. Uh, tangible improvements, you know, and I know that these ambulances, once they arrive at the border, maybe three, five, seven, eleven, um, they will go via the Ukrainian people somewhere where they where they might save one, two, three, five, twenty, hundred lives. And it's been 
it's been worth it. So that's like my, that's a campaign that really started about two, three days ago uh, because it wasn't logistically as easy as I thought, in all honesty. But we are, we are nearly there now. We are uh, raising money and we've got some um, exciting businesses and people on board that are starting to donate. So hopefully by next week, we will have an idea how many we can buy. Peter, if someone listens to this now and wants to contribute, how do they help? Um, I shall share the link to the fundraising site with you for you to publish in the right places you see fit. And um, there has been a video together with the link in our bio also been posted on the Hotel Anfield social channels. So you can donate that way or in, in case if you want to help us on the journey and drive, um, uh, then um, you can let us know as well. Mm. It's, it's it's fantastic. It's something that um, uh, obviously we're seeing these scenes from from Ukraine uh, minute by minute now. So it's something that can't fail to to touch you, and I'm sure everybody wants to help in some way possible. It seems like you know it's a really great idea. I've, I've just sort of mentioned to Peter a little while ago that, that may have a little strand of opportunity there uh, that that I can offer. So that will be. That would be nice if that could um, actually come into into being. Um, thing is, you know, um, at the moment you're seeing these scenes of, of Kiev um, all the time throughout the day, the news and stuff. We were there four years ago. Know. Uh, Less you than know, four um, years ago. Yeah, and we all enjoyed it so much. I mean, I haven't spoken to anybody that didn't come back from Kiev and say what a fantastic time that they had, how, how nice the people were, how cooperative, how they much... How they enjoyed us there as Liverpool fans. Uh, we've all got great memories of Shevchenko Park and, um, you know, the, the, the day. It was just amazing. The only thing that went wrong was we didn't win the cup. But um, I've got, I myself got pictures, great pictures with that backdrop, the, the, the golden uh, the golden chapels and the and the city centre and that. So it, it, it's heartbreaking to think that, you know, just, you know, it doesn't seem like four years, does it? It seems like two minutes ago that we were there enjoying Kiev. And now it's, you know, it, it's besieged, um, you know, so it, it's, a, it's a scary world at the moment. And uh, I think anything that we can do, uh, goes without saying, you know, will only be appreciated. And, and they are very much in need, the Ukrainian people at the moment. And all of you with kids, please talk to your kids, because I think the kids can hold in quite a lot of fear when they see all, all the stuff on, on their TikToks and on, on the news and... And all of us, if you can help, please help Ukraine right now. They don't deserve to be where they are. And now let's talk about football. David, yeah. we're through in the Champions League. Yeah, and that's, um, <coughs> is it a relief? Um, we expected it after the first leg. Um, in some ways, I walked away from Manfield on uh, Tuesday night, a little bit disappointed. I thought... The performance wasn't that great, and I know we can turn around and say, well, we got through anyway, but it probably wasn't how we all envisaged, um, I think, progressing. After the encouraging 2-0 win in Milan, I thought we've, we were in for a great European night, and it was a great European night. Um, in terms, The atmosphere was brilliant. The Italians offered a fantastic atmosphere. They, they, they deserve applause for the way that they supported their team throughout. Um, I have to say, as a football fan, <clears throat> maybe let's say for a new as a neutral for a moment, the way they celebrated the goal was I thought it was a fantastic scene to see so many of them happy. I mean, it wasn't happy from our point of view, you know, obviously it goes without saying, but I thought they added a lot. They brought a great passion. Uh, they never gave up from the moment because they had that belief that they were still going to do it, and that's the belief that Liverpool fans have when we when we're sort of trying to. Um, you know, come back for, from uh, you know those situations. So it was it was a it was a great night on reflection, uh, and I, I was able to see some of the the highlights uh, yesterday um, of some of the incidents. Um, in 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 edited form, it looked like it was a good night. But I thought it, it was. It, it, I think we would we have to be disappointed the way the the, the team played. I think we adopted a a. Um, a, a a form of playing that I didn't think we, we, we would do. I thought we would have been a little bit more up for it. Players looked nervous. They looked a little bit on edge. Didn't quite know how to really approach the the, the, the game. And I, I really didn't think 
you know, we, we'd see that. I thought we might have saw a little bit more of a, uh, an aggressive Liverpool performance, but we were we were at, uh, on edge. And through that, really, it, it created problems for us. I think um, it put us a little bit more on the back foot than we than we should have been. And um, although we we had the uh, the frame of the goal a few times with the header and uh, and and, Salah and twice. Salah's twice. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the header was was a was a decent header. Uh, I mean, he's just guided it towards goal, Matip. I can't help thinking that the, the, the two shots at the post should have been goals. I think they, they were misses rather than misfortune. Um, uh, Luis Diaz was very unlucky. I mean, I think we all sort of thought this is it, but that was a, that was a great defence by um, Vidal. Vidal. So um, yeah, delighted that we're through. We are in the. Uh, you know, in the quarterfinals. But as I say, it didn't come without a few nerves on the night, you know. Uh, and we've been a little bit guilty of doing that on, on occasions over the last year or so. Peter, do you think, you know, this team hasn't been used to playing this many competitions coming coming this late into the season, having so many trophies to play for? Do you think they may, may, might have been a little bit sort of mentally exhausted or with anticlimax thinking they were already through? I, I think the latter. I, I feel like... Um, you know, if Liverpool had been 2 0 down after the first leg, we would have seen the Barcelona type, where, where like in the league, you know, every game you have to win uh, in order to stay anywhere near Man City at the top. It puts this pressure on you to just like do what Jurgen Klopp does best, you know, the heavy metal um, type approach and mm-hmm. go for it. While when you have to manage the game and or manage a result, um, you know, it might just. Um, creep in a little bit this feeling of, well, we're nearly there. All we got to do is not concede two goals. We haven't done that at Anfield for a while. So why today? And before you know it, it's a little bit this apprehension maybe could be seen as uh, as nerves or whatever, where it's not just let's go for goal and score three or four. Plus, you know, I know Liverpool supporters are really spoiled, right? They We, we really, really are. But Inter Milan are the Italian champions and they are known for good defending. They've got a strong attack. They've got bucket loads of experience. I mean, the average age of the Inter team is must be like a fair few years more than the Liverpool team. So they, they are they are a, a, a quite a caliber of team that we kicked out. So, you know, I'm... I'm I'm just happy we are through. And next round, if we are one 0 down after the first game uh, and then play at Anfield, then uh, I think we are going to see the real Liverpool come back. You know, tired or not. I wouldn't say a perfect scenario, but it might have been. Uh, I, I was thinking about it yesterday, and uh, on reflection, I mean, it might have been more enjoyable to have lost the first one one 0 yeah. and <laughs> won the second one two one. But uh, the fact that um, I think there were a few nerves, and and sometimes. Uh, I mean, I found that myself thinking about the players. At the end of the day, these are like guys in their 20s. You know, you think they have them more. They maybe have the, I don't know uh, whether that's relevant or not, but you think they have the experience for all situations, but they clearly were, they were nervous. There, there was, the passing wasn't right. The, so much of the passing was, uh, was you know, didn't get to its, its, its man. It fell short. It was edgy. Um, it, it was, it was a, a different performance than, as I say, I, I could have ex, uh, ex- expected. Um, but they looked nervous. Yeah, it was it was maybe an unusual um, position for them to, to to be in. Although, you know, we we've beaten other teams away before now, uh, Porto and the likes, and brought them back to Anfield and being able to build, you know, to to build on it a little bit better. The other night, I thought there was a little bit of apprehension in the in in the overall play. I think it's fair to say that Porto and Inter are just not on the same level. You oh, know? Yeah. I think Inter, um, I know we are, again, spoiled with the Premier League and its quality, but the Serie A is right up there in terms of like a, the next best sort of league. And Inter at the moment is um, actually a, a, a decent uh, opposition, you know. I yes. guess in the, there's only really one team in the Bundesliga that would be strong opposition at the moment, as much as it pains me being a you know, a Dortmund supporter from when I was very, 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 very little, but it's Bayern Munich and you've got a few Spanish teams and that's kind of it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there was no way you were going to underestimate a, a club of, of Inter Milan standing. Um, I mean, I go back a long, long way. Inter Milan, it's a name that, that, that sends fear through European football. So uh, we knew they weren't going to sort of just come here and just give up. But uh, it made for an exciting night. It was... Uh, Relief in the end, and we're in the final eight, and 
and that's you know that's a, that's an achievement. Um, we'll put some great company in there. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, who who fill the next four slots. Um, you know, be some teams we might want to avoid, uh, but one or two really interesting ties potentially. I met you in Anfield Road just after the game, David, and you said it was a little annoying because we would have made history uh, if we had one on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, those things are nice, I think, to have milestones. Uh, had we won that game uh, on Tuesday, we would have been only the third team in the, in the Champions League's history to have won their first eight games uh, following Barcelona and Real Madrid. It's nice to see Liverpool sharing uh, a platform uh, with, with names like that. So, yeah, so that was maybe one of those things. Uh, maybe I'm thinking a little bit too much about it. Um, but in a, in a perfect scenario, that would be nice. And also, when you when you are re realistic about it, this Peter was the only game we we could afford to lose and sort of have a little bit of a wake up call that you know we have to be sharp. Hundred percent. That's what I tried to say earlier. In the league, in all the cup competitions, it's a one chance thing. If we lose one game in the league now, unless we are really lucky and City. Uh, I don't know, sh actually show some proper weakness for more than half a game, uh, then we are out of that competition, the league uh, or the cup and the Champions League. As you say, it's the only opportunity being tunnel up where we could have a slight off day without being punished. You know, So we are still in every competition. I think it's the first time under Jurgen Klopp yeah. at this stage of the year where we are still in everywhere. And let's face it, uh, people are whispering, saying it feels like a special year. It, it really does feel like a special year, you know. I mean, uh, if the Caraboa Cup final celebrations uh, is anything to go by, I cannot wait to win the FA Cup and the Champions League and the league Ooh. in one year. <laughs> and that's a big smile. Um, and talking about Jürgen Klopp, uh, Peter, can you try to put into words the status Jürgen Klopp has in your home country, Germany? Oh, uh, that's a great question because when uh, I lived opposite in Liverpool before he came, so he was still in charge of my boyhood team. Um, when I already lived here. And then, uh, as many of you will know, the last year at Dortmund went not to plan for Jürgen. At the half time of the season in his last year at Dortmund, he was bottom of the German Bundesliga, which is kind of unheard of. Uh, but his his status in, in Germany as a whole, uh, the Germans hope he will be our national team manager one day, although now we've got Hansi Flick, which, let's face it, is a pretty good uh, person too. Um like, we can't wait for him to do that at some stage. But I keep telling my fellow Germans, like, calm down, you know, he needs to stay in Liverpool for, for a bit longer. No, but in all seriousness, I said to my friends, when I heard it was rumoured that he comes here, I said, you don't really know yet what's going to hit you. And I'm not just talking about his ability on the pitch, uh, like, to form a team and form talent from good, or say even average some arguably, to world-class, which he has done in Andy Robertson, in Fabinho, in, I mean, the list is endless of players. Salah. Salah, yeah. There were people who might have failed here, but perform under him. Um, I mean, he's brought through so many, and you don't do that without actually letting them play. And then while you let them play, you take the risk. If Trent had given away five goals in his first three games, he would have never, maybe never gone to where we are now. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I said, you just don't know what hits you because he's going to transform the club. Like when I came to Liverpool originally, um, people were still discussing who actually makes transfer decisions, you know, who makes the decisions and all of this. And then like give it one or two years under Jürgen Klopp and all these questions just disappear. And obviously success helps. One year successful, people ask maybe a few less questions, but Jürgen Klopp is like... Uh, like the glue, he, 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 he trickles into the entire organization. I mean, he has transformed the culture of the place. He hasn't just, not, and again, it's not just, that's how I want to play and make the youth team play that well as well. He is just him and his staff, and then through them, the team, they have all just become this happy family, really, you know, and it, and it transformed the culture of the whole club. I mean, FSG must be belly laughing themselves to sleep every night when they realize it's Jurgen Klopp who they managed to have as a manager because they, it makes them look like, uh, you know, it, it's their saving grace, I would say, really, um, you know, with one or two of the other disasters that happen, which are not of Jürgen's making. He's just, um, him and his team are fantastic human beings and you can just um, feel it all around the club, you know, and it's fascinating. It was no surprise to me, I have to say, but it's just lovely 
how it how it really uh, ended sounds like I'm not saying he's leaving soon, but obviously, but uh, how how it's gone so fast, just phenomenal, you know. Glory back to Liverpool, you know. That's just what we needed. And I mean, Jurgen Klopp can knock on any door, even the blue doors, and and he would be served a full feast of a dinner and and a party. That's how how much loved he is in in Liverpool as well, isn't he, David? You know, even the blues mm. love him. Uh, oh, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I go as far as that. I think they envy us. I think they envy us. Envy, yeah. And um, I, I know Jürgen. I live quite close to Jürgen. I've had a discussion with him over something. He said he broke the a rule and they went through. He went where he felt he, he was a bit risky. And I said, Jürgen, you can do anything in Liverpool. So no one's going to tell you that you can't do it. So I said, uh, if anyone asks you, tell, you, tell him I said you could... Uh, I think you'd be happy to go through that little gate. But uh, he, he's, um, he, he's got a special place in our hearts now, obviously forever. Uh, and we've, you know, we've had those comparisons to the likes of Shanks. Um, and, and what Jürgen brings is, you know, he, the, the, he buys in, you know, he, he knows our culture. He, he buys into our culture. Um, the fans know where he's coming from. What you see is what you get. It's been said many times about Jürgen, but uh, you have to really understand that. For Liverpool fans to, to take to you in the way that they have done with Jürgen, I think they have to see and feel that you get them, you, you know, you really buy into what, what Liverpool is about as a city and, um, you know, and particularly the fan, Liverpool fan base. I mean, he really started off at Liverpool exactly like he started off at Dortmund back then. In his press conference in Dortmund, he was asked, do you prefer drinking wine or beer? And he said, beer. And all people from Dortmund, which is proper working class, were like, well, hey, he's one of us. And then he starts here, you know, you know, he's the special one and he's the this, who are you? And he says, I'm the normal one. And everybody goes, well, hey, he's one of us. And, and he didn't, I'm 100% sure he didn't prepare any of these lines. It is just, it is 120% authentic. And I, let's, let's face it, Scousers can smell authenticity a mile away and you learn that very quickly when you move to the city mm. um, how authentic you are or is it just fluffy words and stuff and uh, you get found out and once you're found out that's it you know door slams shut uh, but that's the beauty about the city the doors are all open and then it's for you to when you go in to treat it with uh, with with respect I'm I, I I'm pretty sure he's got a better time in terms of his living here with the people the way they are than in some of the parts of Germany where he lived. I know it sounds controversial. I love Germany. I'm German. But the German people are quite specific in some ways too. And the Scousers are Scouse and funny and special. And and it's, uh, yeah, I think he, he's got a tremendous time in terms of um, the people that he's dealing with here. And I'm sure one day when it comes to an end, you know, he's, he's you know, yes, he might want a sabbatical or something, but I'm sure he's going to miss it. Yeah, I was uh, I was at a little event a few years ago, and he said he he always felt that Liverpool was the type of club. Well, he was in Germany. He said if you know, he said to his wife, if if Liverpool came knocking on the door, he said you know they would be my my club. And he was he knew he knew what Liverpool's all about, and um, you know it was a great decision on on both sides, you know, for us to approach, and definitely for him to accept. I just want to talk about Jurgen Klopp all day, actually. Yeah, I think, I think most, most of us are a little bit in love with him and Virgil van Dijk, no matter what sex you are. I think, I think it's just a crush we all have on these two men uh, that is a part, massive part of our club's history. Um, but let's move on because we have a game coming up early on Saturday against Brighton. They are uh, at the moment 13th in the league. They've lost their last two. Um, they lost last time, last round away 2-1 uh, to Newcastle. And then before that, they lost home 0-2 uh, against Villa and Gerard. Um, and then, oh, actually, they've lost the three, last three. And before that, they lost away 2-0 uh, to uh, Manchester United. Um, so they haven't won since, they, yeah, since they played <clears throat> Watford in the middle of, of February, where they won 0-2 uh, away. Um, what can we expect of, of Brighton? Yeah, tricky time for them. Maybe they're, you know, they're in this most testing time. Um, when you're in a run of losses, then you, you begin to question yourself, I think, what, whether or not you're doing the right thing. And certainly in the early part of the season, 
they were doing the right thing. They, they, they were great. They, they played with a nice style, a style that probably Brighton fans hadn't seen for a few years. Uh, they were getting some good wins, making it difficult to, to play against. They were getting, you know, picking up the, more than their fair share of draws. So they're in a very, very comfortable position. And for Brighton, that, that's unusual. But now, you know, they are having a, a little bit of an indifferent time and, and it's a test for them to, to come out of this. We would hopefully think that we're strong enough to, uh, to again, get a win when we go, when we go down uh, to the Amex. Um, but um, it will be tricky. Morning kickoffs, by their nature, tend to be a little bit of a, a funny time for, you know, for... For everybody, footballers yeah, would prefer. Hates them. Yeah, footballers would prefer to play later in the day. So um, you know, hopefully we wake up early and um, and we approach it right, as Peter said. I mean, we're we're in this situation now. Every game is is basically a cup final. Uh, we know what we've got to do. We've got to remain tight. Um, they're more of a goal threat than, than they have been in seasons gone by. Um, Watford and, and no game perhaps. Is, is over till it's over. I've seen various games with them this season where they've been one one down, but they've been able to sort of to, to you know get themselves into action. Uh, and later on in games, they've come strong and then managed to claw draws out of it. You know, at least uh, you know they're a goal threat. So it's a game that we know that we, we we've got to be alive to. And um, once upon a time, you would have been very very confident about going to Brighton. But you know now you've got to have to work for it. But it's it's not a game that we, you know, we 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 wouldn't, you know, we would expect to win. No two ways about it. So fingers uh, fingers crossed on that one. He's very positive yeah. about us. I mean, we've got no choice. No. Yeah, we lose to Brighton, and the league is uh, hanging by a thread. But I think you need to go to Brighton uh, with the mindset that they didn't have against Inter, which is we have to win. And Brighton is um, a team that can be beaten by the quality of Liverpool. I mean, if I look at what we have assembled at the front of the pitch now, you know, again, dare I say, like some people, you know, we, we don't really speak so much about Bobby at the moment, for example, um, because suddenly we've got this abundance of quality on the front. And this issue a few months ago of who is going to replace these people when they one day leave seems to have been kind of sorted on the quiet already with uh, Harvey Elliott being quite clearly a caliber that can potentially reach Liverpool consistent level Diaz and, and Jota. It feels really, really uh, positive. So, yeah, if we want to win the league, we need to beat Brighton and they are not on top form. We just lost, got our head a, a bit of a wobble and we go to Brighton and win with three goals difference. Job done. Good. So since it was International Women's Day uh, this week, I would like to bring out some great news uh, of an event coming up. Peter, you need to spread the word to all of your guests in uh, Hotel Anfield as well. So on the 3rd of April, uh, the Sunday after Watford, um, we are inviting to a Liver Girls International event here first, a little warmer party here from 330 free for everybody to come to, but you have to be an LFC female fan of any age. So sorry mm. about that, guys. <laughs> um, but then we are moving over to Anfield to do a drink reception at six. This is a ticketed event um, where we will have a dinner, lots of guest speakers, exciting guest speakers, and a little legend on. Uh, and the whole idea is to celebrate the diversity, the inclusion, um, and also celebrate um, friendship, network building, and confidence within uh, female fans. Uh, because I've had chats with the club now, and they are saying after COVID, there has been, unfortunately, all over Premier League, some quite bad sort of culture um, sneaking through. This is not the majority, but some people have seemed to have forgotten a little bit how to behave, and that's about racism, that's about sexism in the stands. We don't want that. But this event is mostly a positive one. This is a one to just um, build all those friendships um, all across the world. And I know there will be girls flying in from Canada, from the US. And last year we were, well, sorry, in 2020, before, before it shut down on International Women's Day, uh, exactly two years ago, we were over 100 girls from eight different nations. And it was a night I will never forget. And you this year, guys, if you are a man listening, 
you should still go in and buy a ticket, but you should buy a sponsor ticket because we've opened up this year to half sponsor or sponsor a local L4 girl, a girl from Anfield who would love to come and is a massive passionate fan but can't afford it. So that's something for everyone listening now. Mm. You have to sponsor the ambulances and you have to sponsor a local girl to be a part of this incredible female building network for LFC fans worldwide. So go into ticketsource.co.uk and search Liver Girl um, and you will find us. And uh, to sponsor a, a ticket, it's £70 for the full day for a girl or it's 35 if you want a part sponsor. So uh, yeah, do that and you will make some, some local girls really, really happy. And it's, it's great, you know, that feeling when all these girls took over the heart of our beloved club for a night. It is quite special, I have to say. So uh, yeah, please, please come guys and, uh, and enjoy that, that night with us. We'll sponsor one. For sure. Yay. David has got a problem with his credit card at the moment. Otherwise, <laughs> he would do that too. But, but I'm definitely going to sponsor one for sure. Yeah, so Put us down for one. Thank you, Peter. No and, um, and when you walk between here and to Anfield and further onwards, you can now admire, and this came, uh, most of them came during lockdown, some beautiful murals that we haven't mentioned yet. And this, Peter... Um, we want more of them, don't we? Yeah, it's part of the plan, all part of the plan. That's kind of the full circle to the beginning of the conversation. So one of the points um, on the list um, was there's two particularly tired facades of two buildings between Walton Lane and here. And one is the uh, Abilon um, uh, care home, They're right opposite the King Harry. There's like a double wall, which is magnolia, drab, tidy, and whatnot. So I reached out to the owners as part of our campaign who were like, I mean, 10 minutes and I had both the owners on the phone saying we are up for it. So do with that wall whatever you want. And it's a nice, relatively clean sort of double uh, double wall. Um, and you will have seen if you have followed uh, some of our um, um, Twitter um, and Instagram and so on posts that there was a vote, in fact still is for another couple of days, um, where you can have your say on a short list of players who should have their own mural. Oh. Yeah, and uh, so who's uh, leading at the oh, moment? That's uh, uh, someone. Uh, it's a current player that's leading by a million miles. Basically. And that's Mo Salah. I can't possibly say <laughs> how you will, uh, I'm, and you can't see me winking at you through the radio either. But, <laughs> but yeah, maybe uh, we shall find out very soon. So there's a, there's the artist uh, John Coolshaw is going to paint oh, that mural. Uh, he did Stevie G on down the down the road on a on the other side on of the, the stadium on Sandon. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's just done. I just have to dive in and say sure. it's just done an amazing one on Ringo at the side of the pub, you know, in the street where Ringo grew up in Topset. Oh, it's so nice. It's one of the nicest murals I've ever seen. I haven't seen that yet. And oh, I drive stunning. through Topset every day. So yeah, I'm no, going it, to... it, 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 I think it was finished last weekend. It nice. is so gorgeous. The crane was still there. So, yeah, so that's one. And then a little bit closer here to uh, Tia and to Hotel Anfield, there's uh, a building on the right called Number 9 uh, Anfield Road. And it's like, it's a beautiful old building, but it's... In, in, in quite a bad state. Now, the owner who owns it is a really super, super guy. I mean, he's a proper gentleman. He bought it just before the pandemic and kind of did nothing with it. There's people living in there. It's a normal, it's a normal house in that sense. So he always wanted to get started, but the pandemic kind of delayed things, whatnot. So we reached out to him and he kind of said, do whatever you want to do. Uh, so uh, we uh, buddied up with Spion Cop in 1906 for them to design a mural of, of their flags and of everything that they stand for, oh, wow. uh, which has been finalized right now. And that's going to get painted by Paul Curtis, who did the, the wings. Brilliant. Yeah. So, um, and I have to say again, you know, I'm not their, I'm not their cheerleader, but I, I do also want to say how good it has been liaising with certain departments in the council about accessing uh, funding. So we have been uh, successful in securing funding to pay for those two artists to do those two murals. And them together with some um, locally designed uh, banners on the lampposts, you know, down Walton Lane, you see these 
really ugly blue banners with this <laughs> logo on of this other mediocre football club from Liverpool. And mm-hmm. we are, yeah, I don't know. They won't, they won't exist soon anymore, I've heard. You know, oh, gee, I, don't you know. say that. Don't jinx it. No, I don't want that either, <laughs> to be honest. For Liverpool's sake, I don't want that. But anyway, so we will have uh, lamppost banners designed, six of them, with a variety of different kind of backgrounds, the city, the club. At the local community and then get 12 of them printed and installed all the way between Wharton Lane and the stadium on the lamppost. So by the time you're back here, say mid-April, you're going to have two phenomenal murals and lots of other little dots of color, which is all part of this uh, of this uh, initiative um, to just uh, yeah, to just lift up Unfair Road. Oh, that's so. great. And, and a great addition to the beautiful Trent mural already there and the Hendo one yeah. already there, just like literally two, two uh, blocks off from where we're sitting right now. And you've got uh, Hunt and in St. John and you've got the gorgeous Anne Williams one further yeah, down the road. Absolutely. We got a small um, one of Jamie and Stevie G at the back of our hotel as well. That's right. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Guys, it's been lovely chatting this morning. And you, yeah, it's been great. I think we could have gone on for another hour. <laughs> but I guess I guess we need to uh, let people rest their ears now, for now. But we will definitely be back next week with um, some more LFC talk at Hotel Tia. Right next to Hotel Anfield, <laughs> where the co-owner, Peter, has been joining us today. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. in. It's been a great surprise to be asked, and I'm really, really happy just shows how well us neighbors get on with each other, which is what I've always envisaged. So I'm really pleased. Thank you. Oh, and thank you so much for coming and for all you're doing for the road and now for the ambulance. We are doing, we are doing, we are doing, we are doing. <laughs> and David Fairclough, thank you so much for driving all the Welcome. way from uh, Jürgen Klopp's neighborhood <laughs> to come and see us uh, this morning. And I'll see you next week. Indeed. Thank you. After rents.